0: It's Columbus, Ohio. Thank you Central Ohio for making
1: us your number one gospel station. Wow.
2: Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the window. It's Saturday, October the 9th. Hey, wasn't it summer like a couple days ago?
1: It was my birth month, like oh, a couple of weeks right. ago. that's,
2: that's right. That's right. The whole month was a continuous celebration for Dr. J, Dr. Joe.
1: Right. The whole month of September I celebrated. And now that we're in October, I'm continuing doing the same. But I will make a shameless plug for a meeting I just came from, where we were acknowledging Breast Cancer Awareness Month in October. So the way I'm going to continue to celebrate my birth month is by using this month as a reminder to make appointments for all my routine health checkups. And we're gonna have a show very shortly that talks about yet another health-related issue, but for now, please take care of yourselves. It does no good if you hear the information on our show and then don't act on it.
2: And um, today is the former Columbus Day. Now, did you hear I said former? It's former because The name has been changed to Indigenous People Day. That's Native Americans that were here before everybody got here. And if you remember, um, the uh, huge statue of Christopher Columbus was knocked down not too long ago right here in Columbus. And this is to say that he wasn't responsible for discovering America. The Native Americans were already here, and unfortunately they've been marginalized. So having a day named after them is just a token of the role that they have played here in the development of the United States. So let's remember that as we look to uh, remember the Native Americans here in the United States. And there's been a lot of integration between Native Americans and African Americans. My grandmother, married an african-american man but she was native american because they were all sitting out there on the on the land trying to grow some crops
1: in mississippi so happy indigenous peoples weekend
2: that's right that's right
1: we will celebrate accordingly and one way we'll celebrate on the window is that we have another upcoming show that's going to talk about people of color let's say for right now and what we have Mm -hmm. in common and what we don't have in common Mm -hmm.
2: and when i used to hear colored people i said oh no 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 i'm african-american i am black and now people of color are the predominant group when you count all of us and all of our different shades we're in charge
1: so that's a bit of what we have in store coming up in the weeks to come Mm -hmm. we thank all of you for joining us here every saturday or by listening to the audio files. We're gonna have more information in just a couple weeks about where you can go to hear our shows that you miss as we continue to move forward on the window. And I will, oh, I'm sorry, I'm getting a reminder across the room. We have a Gmail address. That's part of our progress. So please listen carefully as to what our Gmail address is so you can send us your input on each of our shows.
2: Yes the gmail address is windowviewnow at gmail.com windowviewnow at gmail.com we need your feedback we are growing and we are looking at the future because we believe that our discussion um, is valuable in this current environment of so much information, so much new information, conflicting information, and misinformation. That was just in the paper today. People don't know what to believe because of misinformation, deliberate. You won't hear misinformation deliberately from the window. It'll be the truth as it comes from Dr. Joe and Dr. I.
1: And our guests who are so generous with their time and their expertise, and that's a perfect lead-in to our show today. You usually ask me, Dr. I, how I'm feeling, so I'm just gonna confess how I'm feeling today as we begin our 32nd show, which we're also very proud of. And I would say for the first time, I feel some kind of way. I feel unprepared, I feel inadequate, when you and I first began talking about this topic some months ago, we confessed that we know a lot of things about a lot of things, and our guests fill in the gap for us, but this is a topic that we're gonna talk about today that I don't know much about. And so I'm apologizing to our guests in advance and some people in our audience, if along the way today we make misstatements, we make missteps. We also know that we've probably gotten more advanced commentary from our promotion of this show than we have in the past and so we're going to try to address all the issues that we think are pertinent to bring you information regarding what we're just loosely calling gender what we're loosely calling gender and so we're delighted to have two guests with us one in studio And one on the phone, and we're going to try to have them talk at the same time in a conversation. So to our guests on the phone, since we can't make eye contact, you just yell out when you need to talk to us. On the phone, we have Erin Upchurch, and Erin is from Kaleidoscope Youth Center here in Columbus, Ohio. And their mission is to provide a safe haven for queer youth, which she'll explain in just a moment. And then we have Chauvin Boyd Nelson, I'm going to apologize to her for mispronouncing her name at least once or twice during the show, and she's from Equality Ohio advocating for LGBTQ legal and lived equality. And so what we'd like to do today is to structure the program a bit more than we typically do. We always on the window want to use our lens to look out and see what's going on, but we want to do it in the context of, as Dr. I said, giving information and education and so we're going to be very deliberate today in what we ask and how we ask it so we can get the information out there and then the second half of the show we'll talk a bit more about opinion but why don't i ask each one of you starting with you aaron if you will just introduce yourselves tell us a little bit about your background a little bit for right now about your organization we'll talk more about your organization in just a bit but we want to be sure that we have some common definitions and terms in mind after the introductions Erin thank you for joining us
3: thank you so much for having me and good afternoon to everyone um, all the listeners as Dr. Joe said my name is Erin of church my pronouns are she her and I am the executive director of Plattoscope Youth Center I'm also a social worker in my 21st year of practice and I'm a yoga teacher and lastly, I'm a parent to uh, two almost young adults of a 19-year-old son and a 17-year-old daughter who will be 18 in January. Uh, Kaleidoscope Youth Center is the largest and longest standing organization mm-hmm. in the state of Ohio that serves LGBTQIA plus youth and young adults. And imagine we'll get to that acronym, so I'll say the definition for that. Um, we serve youth ages 12 to 24. Uh, we've got center-based program, which is a drop-in center. We provide training, uh, professional development, community education across the state to really anyone who's requesting it, but also providers, um, behavior health, primary care providers, parents, anyone that has contact with young people. And we also do work within corporate settings um, so that we can prepare the field, the workforce for our young people. We do some civic engagement and advocacy work, and we're in partnership with Equality Ohio. And um, we have a community-based wellness program where we have three housing programs um, for ages 18 to 24. We have case management ages 16 to 24 and a behavior health uh, practitioner or therapist for ages 12 to 24. And all of those programs uh, started in in 2019 and are the first in this area that actually center the needs and experiences of um, LGBTQI+ youth and young adults.
1: And we'll talk soon about why there's the need to focus on young adults. But you mentioned Equality
0: Ohio, so that's a perfect lead mm-hmm. into to our second guest. Good afternoon. My name is Siobhan Boyd-Nelson. My pronouns are she, her. I am uh, the Director of Development and External Relations at Equality Ohio. I'm also the lead trainer for our social enterprise, Chroma Consulting, um, where we do DEI training focused on LGBTQ identity and the intersection with race. Um, I was born and raised here in Columbus. I'm a graduate of Howard University and the osu moritz college of law my first career was as a practicing attorney but i've been in the nonprofit world uh, for almost 10 years now i am a wife and mother of an 18 year old freshman at howard university um, and just very happy to join you here this morning thank you so much and i've got to tell you all she looks like she's about 18 with all those accolades uh the fountain of youth must be in your backyard. <laughs> uh, all the jeans, all my grandmother's jeans. Oh, beautiful, beautiful women. Oh, okay. All right, so we're feeling more comfortable now because
1: they gave us so much they to talk did. about. So let's dive right in. Let's start with the pronouns. You each said, my pronouns are. Help us understand that, please.
0: Well, pronouns are a normal part of our language. They are the words that we use in place of someone's name. Um, when we are speaking about them and typically in our society we assume which pronouns are appropriate to use for someone because we assume gender we look at people and we determine their gender based upon the way that they appear to us their gender expression the clues they are giving us such as the length of their hair what type of clothes they're wearing are they wearing jewelry or makeup and The idea of sharing with you my gender pronouns is an invitation not to assume my gender, but to allow me to inform you of my gender and of the appropriate way to refer to me respectfully. And so that is why I share my gender pronouns. It is an invitation to refer to me in a respectful way, and it is also an invitation for you to share your pronouns with me so that I too can refer to you in a respectful way without making assumptions based upon your gender expression today.
1: So let me digress for a moment and ask a question from my personal experience. I was recently in a retail establishment and a person waited on me and did a great job of doing that. By looking at that person, I assumed that person was male another customer came in, asked a question of that person, and that person answered it, and the customer said, thank you, sir. And the person waiting on me turned back around and said, he called me sir, and I wish he wouldn't do that because I'm female. So what should
0: that store associate have said or done in that situation? What they could have done, and I won't say should have done, because it is on each of us to not assume Um, But what that store associate could have done is said, um, my pronouns are she, her, and just offered that and say, or uh, could you refer to me as ma'am, or my name is, and offered some alternatives to the uh, reference of sir. But that's such a good example of why assumptions are are not appropriate and why we shouldn't make them. We can actually harm folks when we do that. Okay,
3: in your introduction. If I could add to that, um, and everything Siobhan said was, was perfect and great, and, and with that associate, yes, they could have done that. And I think it's important for folks to remember it doesn't always feel good to have to do that. Like That's exhausting to have to correct people um, or say this is my name, these are my pronouns. We don't know how many times that day that it happened. And so we call that's emotional labor. And so that's the other reason why it's so important to not make those assumptions off the bat, because we don't even know how we're impacting someone else and possibly causing harm.
1: So what, I won't say should, what could that customer have done if the customer was actually trying to be courteous and say, thank you, didn't know the name of the person waiting on them, what could they have said instead?
0: simply simply thank you thank you Just thank, <laughs> thank you thank you so much mm-hmm.
3: okay. great you did wonderful i appreciate you thank you friend if you need to add something else on there
1: okay all right in your introductions you both talked about your organization serving LGBTQ, and then one of you put another initial behind that. Help us understand that series <laughs> of letters. And you're, you're both smiling and laughing, so you get this question off, yeah. and I'm going to guess. All right.
3: I'll, I'll, I'll jump in here. Uh, so I use LGBTQIA+, which stands for or represents lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, and asexual. And we add the plus there because at the end of the day, gender and sexuality are so expansive. There's no way that an acronym can capture everyone's identity and or experience. And so that plus is acknowledging that um, and also creating room. And, you know, the young folks that we work with at Kaleidoscope um, are very, very committed to um, being seen as their full selves and in their wholeness as much as possible and so having those added letters there that represents the identity that we serve often invisible um, especially with the intersex and asexual um, but again that plus is, is just the expansiveness of, of the human experience of gender and sexuality.
0: Can I jump in because I saw sure. Dr. Eyes eyes go up when Aaron <laughs> said the word queer and that is not surprising, that often happens. And if I, if I can jump in, Erin, um, to, to, to dive deep into that word queer. Mm-hmm. So I was born in 1980. And when I was growing up, we uh, at recess would play a game called smear the queer. Mm-hmm. Queer is a slur. Mm-hmm. It was a slur, um, it became a slur in the mid 20th century. But during the mid-80s, during the uh, start of the LGBTQ equality movement and the AIDS rights movement that was sparking in the mid-1980s, there started a partial reclamation of the slur queer. And I think as black folks, we can relate to that, par- that idea of a partial reclamation of what was formerly a slur. Mm-hmm. And so that's what we've seen in the LGBTQ community is that some folks do embrace that term as an umbrella term or as a way of describing their gender or sexual orientation as somewhere on the spectrum. And some folks don't some folks are still offended, hurt, and traumatized by that term. So whenever I do a training, I always give my best advice. And my best advice is to never use the term queer to identify someone who has not self-identified as queer. And when in mixed company, to use the term LGBTQ or some um, form of that acronym.
2: I have a question for either of you. Um, I'm a baby boomer, and um, it wasn't until maybe college that I became um, um, aware, totally aware, of a variety of choices of sexuality. So do you think past generations have either ignored it or, or hidden it? Or what was the uh, what was the environment like before um, the 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 opening of the discussion about sexual orientation? What was going on behind the
3: scenes? If you could- you know, I, I we get questions a lot or commentary that more and more young people are identifying as queer or trans or um, you know any part of that acronym, and they're saying, what's different, what's different? And what I know just from my own lifetime, Generation X here, is that it's normalized. And I don't like to use that word, I will say that. But in our culture, we've got uh, TV shows, movies with characters, and part of the storyline is they're part of the community. Um, We see different facets of of their lives. Um, You know, you've got a kaleidoscope, you've got Equality Ohio. Um, You've got uh, music by people who are part of the community. And so it's been lifted up. These different identities are lifted up to where I know young folks actually feel like they belong. And they have the tools to be able to create community. They have the Internet. I know when I was first coming out, I did not have the Internet. I had books and um, would go to LGBTQ bookstores or women's centers. And um, it was a very different way to connect with people. And sometimes it wasn't safe. And it's still, I want to just add, it is still not 100% safe for people to be out with their identity, sexual orientation and or gender identity, um, depending on their communities, where they live. And so I think it's important because um, National Coming Out Day is around the corner that some of us can be, like Siobhan and I, can be extremely visible and extremely out. Um, and we can we can carry that on our shoulders. And some people can't, including young people. And so just because more folks are out and we could say it is safer, it is still not 100% safe, and there is still a cost to doing so. Which is,
0: um, so yes, it was hidden. It was behind closed doors. That's why we reference a closet. That's why we have National Coming Out Day, which we are celebrating also this weekend. And the reason we are still celebrating National Coming Out Day in 2021 is because it still isn't safe, as Erin said, for many people to live as their true authentic selves we're headed to break when we come back we don't
1: take call-in questions on this show but we know that those of you listening have lots of questions that you'd like to have answered and so stay with us we'll be back on the window we're back on the window we're with Aaron Upchurch of Kaleidoscope Youth Center, Siobhan Boyd Nelson of Equality Ohio, just prior to National Coming Out Day this Monday. Let's talk just a bit more about terminology and then get into some of the harder stuff, some of the questions that we've been asked in advance of this program that we'll ask you about. So, a few more terms. In our discussion earlier, we talked about sexual choice and sexual orientation are there differences what
0: should we know sexual orientation is who you are attracted to romantically emotionally physically this is your natural attraction it is immutable it is inherent it is your sexual orientation same with gender identity your gender identity is who you know yourself to be
2: Can it be both? Both. You're attracted to men and women?
0: Oh, absolutely. That is what we call bisexual. Um, And there are two terms that are used now. Bisexual is the older term. Pansexual is the newer term. Pansexual recognizes a gender spectrum bisexual references a gender binary. So bi meaning to, pan meaning across. So across the spectrum. Okay, Okay. what does it mean to be binary? Binary um, just means that you identify on the gender binary, mean you identify as either male or female. Being non-binary means you do not identify as either male or female. You either identify as a combination of both. Or neither.
2: And if you identify as female, your pronouns
0: are she, her? If those are the pronouns that you choose, oh, yes. Also, you
2: can have a choice even if you are female in terms of your outlook.
0: Absolutely. If your gender identity is female, mm-hmm. you can still say, I prefer a they, them pronoun to reference me, if that's most respectful for you. Or sometimes, uh, folks, you might say she, they, which means that I I feel that she, her pronouns or they, them pronouns are both respectful of my gender identity. I see. And what does it mean to be
1: transgender?
0: Transgender means that you do not identify with the gender that you were assigned at birth. When I reference the gender assigned at birth, I mean that when each of us are born, the doctor takes a look at you and looks at what the doctor can see from the outside and makes a determination about your gender. But what we know about gender is that there are several other gender markers, including our internal reproductive organs, our chromosomes, and most importantly, who we know ourselves to be. So essentially what happens at birth and when we fill out the birth certificate, it's a guess. It is our best guess based upon the evidence that's in front of us. And the beautiful thing now about where our society is heading is that we are beginning to listen to young people when they identify as a gender other than what? was assigned at birth, other than that guess that was made. And when you do identify as other than that gender assigned at birth, you are
3: transgender.
0: All right, so ready for questions? And
3: if I could, if yes. I could add to that, um, our gender identity is actually within us around between the ages of three to five. From a child development perspective and standpoint, like we have a sense of who we are often we don't think about it unless there's, until there's a variant. Some of the questions I like to ask people when I'm doing trainings is, when did you know you were your gender? And the, the answers are always "Well, I was told that and that's just how I was raised and because of my part and all these different um, ways that we get socialized that connect gender to body parts. But people, we actually already know. And so I, I think, you know, as I mentioned before, young people coming out or exploring younger and younger and more vocally, it's because they've been given that room to do so.
2: You used to call young girls when I was growing up the the ones that were really good in sports, tomboys.
3: I was a tomboy. Oh, okay. So was I. Absolutely. Yeah, Mm -hmm. played sports year round. And tomboy that gets celebrated. But when we have boys who maybe don't engage in the things that we assign to the male gender male boys they get called words that are derogatory and there's Mm -hmm. stigma around it right
1: right so a question I'm, i'm looking at my guest across the room because she knows i'm about to go there and thank you so much for answering these questions that we know are on the minds of our listeners so if we believe in science which we've talked about on this show a lot when a child is born with certain body parts let's start with that how do you then explain the science of issues like reproduction how do we make babies if we live in a world now where it used to be so simple you had a man and a woman and the man and the woman came together one had sperm one had an egg and there it was
3: there are we're not
0: there go ahead erin yes
3: oh i was gonna say i'm sorry about that we are not challenging science all of that happens we know that ovaries release eggs into the uterus like we work there's no challenge to science and body parts and what they do what we are asking and the invitation is to expand how we talk about those parts bodies are bodies and so and, and I did this I made this mistake when my children were young um, almost 20 years ago I would say to my son you have a penis you're a boy and What I would do differently right now is you have a penis, period. And all bodies are are great, and they can have different parts, but they have nothing to do, or they may, depending on that individual with their gender identity. So
1: at what age does a child really have the knowledge of not only who they are but all of the other issues that we say either by law or just by parenting or experience that gee you're not quite old enough to make those types of decisions.
0: Well I don't know that any young person is, in, is being put in a position where they are alone in making a decision. What right. we're talking about here is first of all access to language to describe Mm -hmm. what it is that they're experiencing. That is a big difference between the past and what we have now. What we also have is the opportunity for that child to work with medical and mental health professionals to work through what, it, what they are experiencing and to help them develop the language, to be fully open and honest about what they are experiencing. And Aaron, I'm gonna leave it to you. I know it is three words and I'm consistent, persistent, and Aaron, you're gonna fill in the third word. <laughs>
3: consistent persistent oh my goodness i i it is not on the top of my 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 tongue but what oh, i'm so what sorry I will jump into that and say is if if it gets to a point where a young person is taken to a doctor or they need to get a diagnosis or even for you know parents and caregivers who are like is this a thing is it a phase which i think phases are fine and we can love our kids through all the phases but it is that it is consistent so it's not like every now and then I guess and persistent and it is actually impacting the, the, the child's ability to function. And I'll give an example. Um, I used to run support groups for youth ages five to 12 and, um, and I actually started with ages four um, and I had a family, it was a group of twins. Um, they were both born assigned male at birth and one of the twins was having some behavioral issues and every morning when mom, they were six, so we would try to get them dressed. This one specific twin, like, did not want to wear the clothes. They wanted to look like mommy. They wanted to dress like mommy. They wanted to wear makeup, you know, do those kinds of things. And, and they were getting into trouble at school. And so uh, the mom started allowing this young person to pick out their own clothing. And that was dresses or glittery things or whatever would be assigned to traditionally girl or female and once they allow that to happen, the behavior issues decline significantly.
2: Can because you, that young person... I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say, mm-hmm. can you effectively and permanently change?
3: <laughs> change is, I think, a big word. Um, I think for youth, it's more about giving them the room to explore and identify themselves and have that language, as Siobhan said. Um, for people who um, that I know who are transgender and non binary and are young people, they don't feel like they're changing. What they're changing is the language that's or the identity that's been put upon them, but who they are is who they know themselves to be. We all have a gender identity, every one of us in this in this world. And so they actually like they're not they're changing what was put on them not who they are if that makes sense
0: they're changing our person our perception of them yeah they are aligning our perception of them with who they know themselves
3: to be I got you. I got you. perfect thank you mm-hmm.
0: and so
1: on this station 1580thepraise.com you're waiting for this <laughs> question all right of course <laughs> <laughs> why are we talking about this topic that would appear to be contrary to the teachings of god i'm trying to choose those words very carefully as it's been asked of us Us, prior to this show Mm -hmm. right we have
2: our thoughts Mm
0: -hmm. about that but you go first
2: well do you want to go i will
0: i will i will go Go i I will just say i am a christian i am Mm -hmm. a practicing christian i am a member of my church's board i go to move united church with my wife my wife plays in the band and I sit on the board. My wife is a non-binary person who was assigned female at birth and presents as masculine of center. We are loved, we are accepted, and we are affirmed not only by our pastor and our church family, but by the word of God. We are a church that utilizes the Bible every Sunday in every sermon and nothing Mm -hmm. that my pastor has ever preached or will ever preach will ever disaffirm my identity as a precious and loved creation of the almighty God who was created this way and I know this because I've done the work Mm -hmm. I have been on my knees and gone to God and said why if i am an abomination like people are preaching then change me change me oh god i don't want to be an abomination i want to be your child i want you to love me and you know what god reminded me of i am your creator Mm. i was created
1: Aaron, is there anything that you'd like to
3: add to that? Absolutely, and Siobhan, you're giving me chills here. Um, you know, I was raised in the church. I, um, As an adult, young adult in college, was deeply, deeply invested in the church. Uh, church of God in Christ, in fact. Um, and, and deep, and I know the Bible backwards and forwards. And I was a Sunday school teacher. Um, I've been a Sunday school teacher. and Here's what I know is true, is my creator, the God that I serve, the God of this universe, who created the heavens and the earth and every single animal and made us in his image, who, you know, Jesus was born to a virgin, the Jesus that did miracles, the God that split the Red Sea, bigger than the box of binary, heterosexism it's he's bigger they're bigger the god that rises the sun every day and the moon and so i can believe and i can see that that is reflecting nature and the 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 majesty and the greatness of our creator so that means i'm possible that means siobhan is possible that means the people that we work with and millions of folks in this world are part of that plan part of nature And for those who can, you know, need a little more scientific, I don't like to go this way because I think it's that simple. But when we look at nature and we look at animals and different fish and things like that, there is so much gender diversity within nature. It makes sense that it's in humans. We were made in his image. And so I don't, similar to Siobhan, I spent years actually speaking out against folks who were um, LGBTQ I went to churches where people used derogatory names in the pulpit I felt the shame I engaged in behaviors because of that shame I did a lot of things and then when it comes down to it and I got to sit in that space that sweet spot with God that sweet spot where you actually hate and discrimination about me it, it can't even exist there And that deep place was when I knew that God loved me I was created, I was created on purpose and my work in this world and my purpose and my offering is tied up in my reflection of him and me out into the world.
1: So we have just a few minutes before break and I think Dr. I and I owe it to our audience to answer that same question since we were the culprits here. We're the ones who decided to talk (laughs) about this topic and have our guests grace us here today and so when i searched my bible for scriptures that people pointed me to that spoke about homosexuality i did find it right there in the midst of scriptures that talk about gluttony and eating too much and scriptures that talk about talking back to your parents and scriptures that talk about spending too much money and most important scriptures that talk about not loving each other and so as a christian i've made it my mission to not try to out god god but rather to tell people if you truly want to know what god has in store for your life i invite you to form a closer relationship with god Mm. because right now i don't have time to tell you because i'm still trying to figure out what god wants me to do and doesn't want me to do so when dr i and i asked ourselves should we talk about this topic on our show we asked ourselves should we not talk about this topic on our show. Why should we? And why should we not do that? Perhaps there are differences between the teachings of Christ and the teachings of Christians sometimes.
2: Mm. And, And love is love, is love, is love. God's love is without a limitation on verbs, on nouns, adjectives and adverbs, on pronouns. It's bigger than any of us walking around on this earth can wrap our heads around so spend your time on something more worthwhile than mm-hmm. trying to figure out God's plan for every person mm-hmm. on this earth
1: mm-hmm. that does not mean that we're trying to form your opinions for you what it means is that we're being consistent with the mission of the window to bring you the information you need from the people who most understand it so that whatever it is you mm-hmm. choose to do with your life in the will of God, that you do that with the best that we can possibly bring you in this world to help you make that type of decision. Amen. Right? Have we covered that topic sufficiently? We'll be back on The Window.
2: are back on the window talking about gender
1: we're talking with our guests Erin Upchurch of Kaleidoscope Youth Center and Shovan Boyd Nelson of Equality Ohio who have spent the last 45 minutes enlightening us on information that we should have on the topics that are also represented by the organizations that they serve. And so we'd like to talk more about those organizations, what you do and why you do it. Why don't we start with Equality Ohio?
0: Absolutely. Equality Ohio identifies and transforms systems so LGBTQ plus Ohioans can access legal and lived equality. And when I say legal equality, I mean essentially words on paper, laws, non-discrimination laws, but here in Ohio, we do not have a non-discrimination law that protects people who are LGBTQ or perceived to be LGBTQ. So in most of the state, it is still perfectly legal to fire or not hire someone, to deny someone housing, or to deny someone service in a public accommodation because they are or you perceive them to be LGBTQ. So that is not the case in about 35 local localities across the state, including the city of Columbus, the city of Reynoldsburg, Bexley, Westerville. Uh, but we need a statewide law because that's scary for folks in the community that the things that basic things, having a job, getting housing, getting served in public, um, are still in danger based upon where you live. Your zip code determines your rights, mm-hmm. and we're working to make sure that that's not the truth any longer. In addition, we do public education like this, and one of the things that we're most proud of is a 100% free legal clinic for LGBTQ plus Ohioans. It is one of only three in the country we serve uh, LGBTQ folks who are at or below 300% of the federal poverty guidelines. Uh, we can offer direct legal services uh, that are civil in nature in a variety of areas. We also can provide referrals to outside attorneys uh, for areas that we don't cover. Um, and we're working on partnerships with legal aid societies um, and other legal providers across the state so to make sure that no LGBTQ plus Person is without the legal help they need because we are so vulnerable in so many ways. Tell us about the state of gay marriage. You have a wife. Are you two quote legally married unquote? Well, we call it marriage because we marriage just like everyone else. <laughs> it is there. There's it's it's very normal um, and would look very similar to uh, anyone else's marriage. Uh, We were legally married in uh, Washington, D.C. in 2010. That is when the federal government and D.C. recognized our marriage. But because of the uh, Defense of Marriage Act that passed here in Ohio in 2004, which by the way was also the impetus for the founding of Equality Ohio in 2005, um, our marriage was not recognized here in Ohio until five years later in 2015, after the Supreme Court decision, um, Obergefell v. Hodges. uh, Jim Obergefell is a dear friend of Equality Ohio and is an Ohio resident. And so what
1: difference does
0: it make if you are legally married or married? Well, When we were engaged in 2009, I'll be honest, I didn't think it made a difference. This was my best friend, my human, my life partner, and we were going to make a uh, commitment before God. And then in November 2009, uh, legal, uh, it became legal for, or DC decided to recognize the marriages of LGBTQ people. And that changed something in my heart. I realized that actually it did mean something for my government to recognize my commitment as just as valid as anyone else's. Cause I will tell you, my wife and I work just as hard on our marriage as anybody else. And we have for the past 11 years and we will for the next 60. Are there any legal rights or? privileges that you have that you would not have in a state that does not recognize gay marriage? Um, Absolutely. So we had to file uh, different tax returns between our federal tax return and our state tax return because we could file jointly at the federal level, but not at the state level. So that's just one example of the ways that you are treated differently if your marriage is not recognized. Um, It also can impact uh, the rights of parents who are indeed, in fact, the emotional day-to-day parents of a child, they can uh, be at risk of not having access and legal rights to the continued care of their child simply because the government does not recognize their relationship.
1: So clarify for us then the status of gay marriage throughout the United States.
0: So right now, the uh, federal government and all 50 states do recognize uh, marriages between two men or two women. um, And that is true across the United States. However, unfortunately, here in the state of Ohio, we have not yet updated the actual words on paper to reflect that.
2: What about in employment? You're in an interview. And is the employer allowed to ask you a question like gender related?
0: Right now, my understanding is that they are. Because gender, um, while gender is a protected class, Mm -hmm. gender identity and expression is not protected under Ohio's non-discrimination laws.
2: Now explain to
0: our audience the difference between those two. Um, Gender, uh, and this is uh, because of the Bostock Supreme Court decision, this is actually a question that is before um, our legal system right now, is what is meant by gender. When we say gender, are we encompassing sexual orientation and gender identity? And the decision in Bostock, which was a 2020 Supreme Court decision, said that in the area in federal employment law, yes, when the law says gender, it does encompass sexual orientation and gender identity. And so that applies for any employer that meets the threshold of the federal law. So that means you have to have at least 15 employees. So here in Ohio, if you work for an employer who has fewer than 15 employees, you have no protection under Bostock and you can still be fired or denied a position, a promotion because you are LGBTQ or you are perceived to be.
1: Erin. Tell us about your organization. Why is there the need for a Kaleidoscope Youth Center?
3: First, I just want to um, thank Siobhan and Nicola for all the work that they do. And Siobhan is a genius. As you, you heard, she knows everything. I feel like... Um, we know I that. Yes, I we did saying. notice that. <laughs> <laughs> She's like a walking encyclopedia. We're impressed. For day, so... Um, I appreciate the work that, that you do, Siobhan, and I Ohio, and KYC is always a proud partner. Um, so KYC, uh, as it is, is known, uh, we were formed actually in 1994 as a, what was called a rainbow crisis line. And that was because young people were um, calling other places that were you know, having issues related to housing or uh, community, um things around you know their their gender identity and sexual orientation um and so community leaders here came together got this rainbow crisis line and then once that was there the young people um, in the community wanted something where they could gather and see their friends and make new friends and so then there was a drop-in center we are finishing up our 27th year at this point and you know what started as this crisis line to be able to respond um, specifically to the needs and experiences and then to create a social environment um, has really grown into um, something so much bigger, but still that core foundation. And, and one thing I love to, to say in our team, when we talk about the work that we do, our sole purpose to go to work and to exist is to create safer spaces, uh, experiences of belonging and access to community for our young people. Those are all basic human needs, actually. You take identity out of it and you just have a bunch of humans. That is something all of us need. But when you get to LGBTQI plus youth and young adults, that is not often their experience, whether it be in their their home, within their family of origin, in their schools, in their community, those things are not always available. One of my favorite examples, um, when I first started working there, I saw a young person come in um, and they were dressed as what would be considered traditionally male. And we have a resource closet with clothing and whatnot and they changed and presented as what is traditionally known as female while they're in programming. And then before they went back home, they changed back into their other clothing. And that wasn't dress up or playtime. That was them having the space to honor their identity. So for three and a half hours in our drop-in center, our young folks would to come in and set that armor down just a little bit and they get to breathe and so and as we've ex- mm-hmm. I'm sorry go ahead I would say that we've expanded we are the hub for the Ohio GSA Network which is gender and sexuality Alliance and so we've got schools across the, uh, the state that we are working with young youth leaders and their adult allies and we provide the training similar to what quality Ohio does centered on young people but then even with having housing. We know that queer youth are 120% more likely to be homeless than their peers. And that they represent 40% of the entire homeless population. That's a problem. So having housing that centers their needs is so necessary. Having counseling, having case standards that centers the needs and experiences of people who get it is extremely important.
0: Why the inflated homelessness rates? Because right now in the United States, one out of four young people who come out or turn 18 are still being kicked out of their homes Mm -hmm. by their
3: parents. That is the number one, yeah, that's the number one reason for homelessness in the community is um, discord or being kicked out or not being, we use the word housing vulnerable as well. And so we've got young people who, um, maybe they're not being kicked out, but my goodness, they are not treated well in their home and within their family of origin, number one reason we
2: are getting close to the end of the program but i gotta ask this question dr joe and i talk about some of the challenges that people of color Mm -hmm. are are dealing with Mm -hmm. right now across the nation Mm -hmm. and as you know we've had covid we've got political issues economic issues and we cannot ignore racism Mm -hmm. in all of these challenges that we have how have you all been able to maintain the the um, emphasis and the priority on fairness to this population?
0: Well, we recognize that there is an intersectionality here. Aaron and I live intersectional lives as mm. Black queer women and we know that at that intersectional point we don't just experience racism we don't just experience lgbtq discrimination we experience we have an exponential experience of isolation Mm -hmm. vulnerability and trauma and so we are focused on especially on those who are experiencing marginalization even within their already marginalized communities. And the reality Mm. is, unfortunately, continuing within our black communities, in our black homes, in our black churches, in our black schools, our LGBTQ young people are experiencing trauma and harm in the very Mm. places that should be supporting and nurturing them and that is what we are working against that is why we are here because we know that if they could just have one affirming mm. adult in their life their risk of suicide and self-harm goes down tremendously their their outcomes improve their health improves their risks of entering the juvenile justice system improves and we owe that to our black young people
1: We know we're talking today to some of those parents. And by the way, we know we're talking today to some people who still are not comfortable with their own identification of themselves. But what would you say to a parent as we close with the great information you've given us today, consistent with our mission on the window to be sure you have what you need to do what you need to do in our society? What would you say to a parent who says, I just can't handle the fact that my child came to me and told me something I didn't want to hear?
3: Mm. <laughs> well, I can tell you lots of things my children have come to me and said that I didn't want to hear. And um, gender identity, gender orientation notwithstanding. And so um, that's actually nothing that's even come up. So number one, as parents, as caregivers, our young people are gonna, that's gonna happen. They're gonna do things, they're gonna say things, they're gonna have experiences that we maybe might not understand or agree with or support. I wanna get into the understanding part, is love your young people. You know, when people say it's just a phase, um, love them through that phase. We know that these identities, LGBTQI identities, challenge everything we know about ourselves, what we think we know about our faith and religion and the world around us. And so be curious. But at the end of the day, I tell my children, there is nothing you can do that will stop me from loving you. And I will not kick you out. Please do not run away. We're a family. I love you. You belong here. And, and my love is expansive enough for all of them and the wholeness of who they are. And that's how we are called to love and support our children.
1: Love is a great note to end this session on. Thank you so much to our guests, Erin Upchurch, Chauvin Boyd-Nelson. On what could have been a very uncomfortable situation in this perfect. studio. There is so much love in this mm-hmm. studio right, right? now. Yes. It's amazing. Absolutely. Thank you to everyone. You know how to reach us via our email address. If you mm-hmm. read that one last time.
2: Okay. Windowviewnow at gmail.com. Windowviewnow at gmail.com. And I think we should end with the fact that God loves everybody.
1: We'd love to hear from you. at our email address and we'd love you to join us next week same time on the window
2: have a wonderful weekend folks
3: bye thank you (laughs) I don't know.